kind of feel like I should come up here in a robe after that uh, bumper, just the music and stuff, and you know, choir director, you know, kind of closes us out like that, has that feel to it. Hey, uh, good morning. What a beautiful crisp weekend. Yeah, I, and it, what, I, only a couple people excited about fall weather and stuff. I mean, I broke the flannel out already. I'm, I'm ready. Let, let's go. It's thin. It's all right. It'll be good for today. But I'm, I'm excited about the weather. Great, great weekend. Uh, yesterday was a great day. We spent some time outside, but you don't want to hear about that. That's fine. But we, we had a great day, didn't we? It was great. Hey, as we jump into our message today, uh, we're just going to kind of like jump right into it. I want you to consider the significance of your name and what that means for you and for your life. In fact, some of you may not know, my name is not Rob. <gasps> there was no audible gasp in person, so for those of you at home. Uh, my name is actually Robert, and I was Robert my entire life until I got to college. Now, my wife doesn't know me as Robert. Um, she has only ever known me as Rob. Now, she knows my name is Robert. I mean, don't, like, don't get it wrong. But I got the nickname Rob at, at at school. And so I had a buddy I played uh, basketball with in college and he started calling me Rob on the court and then everybody else started doing it. Didn't even ask my permission, just did it. And then it happened all the way through. I really don't care what people call me though. I know I've been called all kinds of things, things to my face, uh, things behind my back, I'm sure, all kinds of <laughs> different things uh, that are out there. Um, but it's all good. Uh, you know, that's the name that has stuck with me. Uh, like I said, it's the only name that uh, Renee has known me by, but that's not the only name she calls me. Anyway, <laughs> my last name, now my last name, that's fun. That's been butchered all kinds of different ways, uh, especially junk mail that's come in. It's been misspelled in all kinds of weird uh, ways. I, like, I don't even know how people end up getting it uh, that bad. But more important than anything else to me, more important than what people call me or what they say about me, um, I care about what my name represents. And so, like, for example, when people think of me, there's a certain set of priorities that I hope that they see in my life. In fact, I listed them out for you. These are my top five priorities in life. First, and so when people think of Rob, this is what I hope they think of me, that the most important thing in my life is that I'm a follower of Jesus. And then second to that is that I'm a husband to my wife, a good, a good husband to my wife. Uh, that I'm a good father, a godly father to my children. And what's the other one? Oh yeah, friend. Um, that's pretty important to me. I would drop anything for my friends. And then last on the list of those top five priorities is as a pastor. Now some of you might think, well, what, hold, hold on a second, like being a pastor is your job. That should be pretty, pretty high up there. But here's the thing. If I get this priority, this list of priorities out of order in my life, then I don't do any of them well. In fact, it is that priority, that list of priorities that makes me do each following thing in the list as well as God calls me to. There are other things that I've been sprinkled through life. I've been a student, I've been a coach, you know, all those kinds of things. I've been an employee and all throughout that, you know, I want to be a godly neighbor. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so there's certainly other roles. But um, on top of all of that, the hope that I have for my life is that when people use my name, it will make them think of this priority list. And maybe not like explicitly those exact words they think about that, but they just, they have this sense that those are the, that's the order that's evident in my life. Ultimately, I want to leave a legacy that points people to the top priority in my life, which isn't me. Most of the time, we're encouraged to associate what we want with our name, but what others associate with our name, that's a far more 
important thing. Your boss's name, your family's name, etc. you have to be careful how other people experience you because you're a reflection of those other priorities and those other roles in your life. We get that messed up sometimes because sometimes we take that too far and then we're tempted to live for other people, you know, based on what they think rather than uh, what God calls us to be. And, and one of the things that God calls sacred in life is his name. And some of you, you might be familiar with that and you can think of some passages like, for example, in Exodus chapter 20, verse seven, God says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Now misuse wasn't the way I originally heard this and remember it, there was a different word used there and that was in vain. So Exodus 20, verse seven, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, we might know there's something inherently wrong with taking God's name in vain, but the reason that God sets this as the third of his 10 commandments is for a wholly different reason than what most people think it is. Vain, and not as in this song is not about you, but vain as in you can't ascribe unreality to God. That's what this command means. Vain, as in lies, emptiness, vanity, emptiness, nothingness. Ultimately, this means that we aren't to ascribe wrong, untrue things about God. Now, what this came to mean for the Israelites, and for many of us as we grow up, their grandparents or parents, and maybe some of the phrases that we said, it came to mean that God became he who must not be named. Harry Potter fans know what I'm talking about. And they're excited about that. In fact, if you read your Bible, and hopefully, hopefully we all are, you'll notice places in which LORD is written, written in all caps in, in verse. In fact, if you were to look into Exodus chapter 20, verse 7 in your Bible, you'd see LORD written in all caps. Uh, both, both times in Exodus 20, it's written that way. And this replaced the original name that God gave to Moses. And we're going to look at that in a second in that text. They were so concerned with not breaking the commandment of using God's name in vain that they not only stopped saying it, but they actually stopped even fully writing it out. Instead, replacing the entire name with just the consonants of the name, removing the vowels, because they didn't want anyone to accidentally say it in the wrong way or accidentally read it in the wrong way. Uh, in fact, you may have heard the name Yahweh or Jehovah, and those are pronunciations that have come out of some of the ways that vowels uh, have been added to those consonants. Um, but Adonai, or Lord, and Elohim, God, uh, became replacements for God's name. In the text, you would just see our consonants, and I've got it up here on the screen uh, in English letters, Y-H-W-H. -H. In fact, there's even a, a name for, for that. It's called the Tetragrammaton. And so if you want to let people know that you learned that today, uh, it means four letters in Greek. And so there you go. So the name of God became the four letters that represent the name so that the third commandment wouldn't be broken. And so when your parents or grandparents got on you about taking the Lord's name in vain, uh, you know, you're not supposed to say things like that. And, and just to like, let you know, it is very difficult for me to even say the phrase in terms of saying like, hey, don't say this uh, because of how much it bothers me. But oh my God, or I swear to God, like these are things that most of us, hopefully all of us have gotten in trouble for if, we've, if we said it. There's a long-standing history of holding up the name of God as sacred. Um, I, you know, I don't let my kids say that, even though 
I intellectually, and we all understand that the letters G-O-D are not the letters Y-H-W-H. There's something sacred about the name of God, and so we honor that. Even changing OMG, you know, to oh my gosh still bothers me. Um, I cringe when I hear Jesus Christ used as an ex exclamation, you know, by other people in a TV show or movie, whatever it is. No, Jesus does not have a middle name that starts with H. You know, we capitalize the G in God when we write it down. We capitalize the H in him or he when referencing him with a pronoun. And we still strive to maintain his name as sacred even today. But that's still not exactly the point of the commandment. In Exodus chapter 3, when God is talking to Moses and sending him, and this is way before what we talked about in the historical timeline last week, God sends Moses to Egypt to release his people, to lead them out of 400 years of slavery. And as Moses is talking to God, one of the things that he has an objection to, or at least doesn't understand and wants some clarification to, is on whose authority he's being sent to do this. So in Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 13, Moses says to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and, they say, to, and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And this is where we get Yahweh. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. So go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and, hu and honey. And so Moses is, is kind of concerned because, you know, God is telling him, hey, just go to Egypt and tell the Pharaoh, let my people go. It's like, oh, that's, it's that easy. You know, you just go and do that. And so, hey, on whose power, whose authority really, you know, he, he's asking, but what power do you have to make that happen? And God tells him, well, I am the only power that exists. I am that I am. So that's the authority. God gives Moses the name Yahweh. Now, was there some kind of divine power in saying his name? Was it the actual forming of the syllables, the combination of consonants and vowels and the sound waves that came out of Moses' mouth that made God's identity and the power of his name clear? Of course not. He was also given a message from God with the name that was a clear identifier of who he was. Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that God, the God of promise, the God of covenant, that is the one whose power and authority you're being sent with. The name God gives to Moses to speak was not a magic spell. What was important was it was vital to understand the reputation, the authority, the ownership, and the power of the one who has the name. The sacredness of God's name comes from the one who gives that name power to begin with. And the reason that God commands his people to not misuse his name is not about whether or not we say it but whether or not we abuse the reputation of his character and nature in how we re represent it. In Psalm 8, verse 1, and like many verses throughout Scripture, we read, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. And it's not just because God or Yahweh just happens to be, man, that's a great name to describe who God is. It's because of who God is makes the name great. 
There's one true God, and his reputation is creator, all-powerful, all-knowing, promise-keeper, judge, love. God is love. They can know that they are on the same page when they associate their life with Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we, as followers of Jesus, God's son, we know that we're on the same page when we talk about the one true God and live out his calling on our life. You see it play out in the history of the Israelite nation. Every time that they listen to God, things happen exactly as he describes. Every time they don't listen to God, everything happens exactly as he describes. And so God's reputation constantly is made known. He proves his authority and power over and over so that the reality of his name is authenticated. The same thing happens throughout the New Testament. In the New Testament, you know, Jesus comes along. He is God in the flesh, fully God and fully human. And so he redeems us back into our relationship with God. And that's why we pray in his name. We say in Jesus' name, so be it, because there is power in his name, a specific declaration of the authority and the reputation to, of the one to whom we pray. The disciples realized this pretty quickly as Jesus sends them out. In Acts chapter 3, verse 6, for example, uh, one, of my, uh, one of the stories I remember just because there was a Sunday school song that I'm not going to sing for you right now. Uh, but Peter says to this lame man who asked him for money, hey, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have, have for you is the power of the name of Jesus. And so in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he went walking and leaping and praising God, walking and leaping and praising God. Some of you know what I'm talking about. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes this hymn, uh, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Understanding the sacredness of the name of God has its roots all the way back, you know, before they even knew what his reputation was after 400 years of slavery. But as Yahweh became more and more clear in the eyes of Israel, you know, God gives this law because they, they carried more than just their own lives with them as they went about throughout history. It, their lives carried with them the authority and power and reputation of the one true God. He sets up this boundary and this commandment not to use his name in vain. Why? Because every misuse of God's name taints his reputation. And every time we live up to the name, it's good news. Remember the commandment is not given to those who would already use the name of God flippantly. It's not given to non-believers, it's given to the people of God. So while OMG is wholly inappropriate, don't think that avoiding that phrase and others like it has fulfilled the command. There's something much deeper going on here. God's name is abused when his people misrepresent the truth of who he is by their actions. And that is taking the Lord's name in vain. It makes me think of college. When we played sports, we had to drive uh, pretty far distances. And so I played some and I coached some. And I was one of the drivers for the 15 passenger vans. And so we would go, I mean, it'd be like five hours one way, have to play a game and then five hours back. And so I think about it now and I don't know how I did it. I was mad when people wanted to take bathroom breaks. You know, it's like, let's just get there. And, and we did that. But uh, one of the things that I've always thought is a bad idea is that on the side of those vans um, was the college's name and address, contact information. And so, to me, that's always a bad, that's a bad thing to do. You know, it's like putting on the back of your personal vehicle, oh, here's how many people we have in our family, and here's our address, and here's, you know, all these things. 
Uh, anyway, some of you are like, oh man, what's on the back of my, my car? Um, so we went, and, and right on the side is Roanoke Bible College. And, and you got to think, you got college kids driving your vans around who knows where, something's bound to go wrong. Uh, not that I ever did anything wrong, there was just that one time I got pulled over in Ohio for speeding and got a ticket in the Roanoke Bible College van. But one, t- one time there was a call made to the school, and who knows, maybe it was a prank call, you know, giving somebody a hard time, but it was another, you know, group that, that was out. It wasn't me. You know, but they called in and said, hey, you know, the kids in your van are just driving crazy aggressively on the interstate and stuff, and it's awful. And they kind of got in trouble a little bit from that. You know, and you, you get to those moments where you, you forget about where you are, you know, you're inside the vehicle, you, you're not thinking about what's on the outside, and that's telling, you exa- telling people exactly who you are and where you're coming from and where you're going. Um, and, and you get lost in that moment and you forget what you represent in your life. It made me think of a, a few months ago, one of my kids who will remain nameless was out in our front yard and like hollering and waving at, at cars as they went by. And when I found out, it was like, hey, um, you, you got to think about what you're doing because people know where you live when you do that. You can't do that outside of your own house. You know, go down to your neighbor's yard and do that. <laughs> You know, think about the instances in history when God's name has been misused to justify something that is not godly, something not from Scripture, and it caused harm, where his character and nature were meant to cause good news. We could talk about the Crusades. We could talk about how preachers in the South used Scripture to justify slavery. I mean, there's all kinds of examples. Anyone who makes the eternity altering commitment to follow Jesus, you know, we put on this jersey, we're in this van, you know, that on the outside or on the back, it has God's name on it. It says, I'm a follower of Jesus. And from that point forward, we reflect who God is with our lives. Our kids and our grandkids, knowing that they're a Christian or nieces and nephews, whoever, you know, knowing that we're a Christian, see what we do and say and automatically associate that with God. It's not, not just your name. It's not just your legacy. It's not just your reputation at stake. This is, you know, what Christians do. Our friends and our coworkers, when they know who we are and who we follow, who we, what we believe and what we do, we bear the name of God to them, and we develop their understanding of God through our own lives. By watching and listening to us, they experience who Jesus is. At least they should. And the chain reaction that follows doesn't just impact how they look at you and how they look at God. It impacts how they look at the church, how they experience God in their own lives when the Holy Spirit is calling to them through you. Here's what we like to do. You know, we kind of like to boil the name of God down to a simple command. Okay, don't don't say it in vain. You know, and and then we've got it. We've done. We've got it figured out. You know, don't say his name as a curse word. But come on. I mean, that's not the bar. It doesn't begin to address the heart of the matter. The way that we make the name of God sacred in our life is that everything that we do ought to be reflecting what God is doing and what he's called us to and the things that he's concerned about in his word that he communicates with us. Everything else is a distraction from that. That is the saving grace of making God's name and his reputation, his character and glory sacred in, his, in our lives. Rather than claiming our actions are on his behalf, if we instead put into practice what he calls us to do, they're enough to cover the imperfect hypocrisy of our sin-broken selves. 
sure, there's been harm done in God's name, but there's been infinitely more healing and redemption and reconciliation that has taken place. And this is why when we prioritize who God is over who we want to make him be in our lives, we'll be less enamored with names on the news, less enamored with names on the big screen, less enamored with names on the field, and be with the one whose name is above every other name. Whose name do you say most often? Whose name is in your head the most? Whose name do your actions reflect the most? On whose behalf do you speak and act? What names are you most concerned about right now in your life? Where the world draws dividing lines on the names of other human beings, we're called to carry the name in whose image we were created. And so my encouragement to us when we think about what God calls sacred in our lives, what he sets apart and dedicates as being of first importance to how we relate to him and how we live out our lives, I'm I'm asking us as followers of Jesus to, to make God's name sacred in how we live out our faith and what we do and what we care about and what we talk about and whose name we repeat over and over again. Because God says don't take his name in vain. And taking his name in vain looks like ascribing things to God that are unreality, things that he does not ascribe to himself. Taking his name in vain would be not, not using it and hiding it, not sharing it with other people when they obviously desperately need that in their lives. And when it comes to living out our faith as Christians, you know, we're called followers of Jesus. When we call ourselves Christians, we're calling, hey, we're people who live the way Jesus does so that Jesus can be who, who is experienced by, by our lives. And so I want to encourage you, man, if, if there have been some names, you know, out there in, in your life that are leaving you discouraged or maybe getting your ire up or, you know, whatever's happening in your life, um, and it's not God, you know, there's, there's a moment there where I think the Holy Spirit can give us a course correction uh, to make God sacred in, in our life. Uh, if maybe you're, you're not a Christian and maybe you've noticed how divisive things have become, you know, over people and whether or not they believe in God or don't and this person and that person, whatever, whatever's happening, you know, the, the beautiful thing about making God's sacred name sacred in our life is that all, the, all that pressure um, all that, that weight is lifted off of our shoulders because it's not, not about our name anymore, uh, but it's about his. And he's the one who gives us the strength and the power and the reputation and authority of himself uh, to be able to live life exactly how it was meant to be lived. As we prepare to take communion like we do every week at Velocity, um, I, I want us to consider what it means to share in this meal at this table every week and to center ourselves on that foundation of Jesus' name and why his name is above every, every other. So let me pray for us as we prepare um, to take, take communion together. God, we, we lift you up. When we are here and we are gathered to worship, it's not about the people on the stage. It's not about the people in this room. It's not about the people at home. Um, it's not about any of us. It's about you. You're the audience, and whether or not you are pleased is our only concern. God, that's why we lift up songs of praise. That's why we lift up 
and reflect your word through scripture, it's because we are worshiping and honoring you. That's why we gather around this table and share communion with each other and we recognize Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and the reason why we are given any kind of significance and purpose in our life um, is because of him. And God, we are praising you for that. God, we ask that you direct us through your Holy Spirit to make that a priority in our lives outside of this place as well. That even as we go forth and even as we minister to others and live out our faith, that we would make your name more famous than anyone else's. God, we thank you uh, for the way that you call us to yourself and the way that you keep your reputation by fulfilling your promises in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.